In February of 2022, as uh, Russia was beginning its invasion of Ukraine, President Zelensky of Ukraine was offered help by the United States and by the United Kingdom and by other countries to get out of a very, what was going to be a very difficult and dangerous situation. And so he was offered the chance to sort of uh, flee from Kyiv. And President Zelensky responded, or at least it was reported he responded this way. I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. And this sort of statement, this sort of request for help went out sort of around the world and really galvanized support for the nation of Ukraine and what they were going through. And uh, Western countries and countries all around the world, many people heard that and said, yeah, we want to help, we want to come alongside. And that request, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition, that really mobilized a lot of people to want to say, hey, look, let's join them in what they're doing. Let's see if we can help in any sort of way. Well, this morning we're talking about prayer and fasting, and we want to ask the question, how can we make requests of God in such a way that we are pleasing to him, but also in such a way that we motivate and mobilize and encourage him to, to act, to work, to come alongside? And so this morning we want to think about some instructions for you and I when it comes to prayer and to fasting. So let me invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's no problem. There should be one that looks like this in the rack in front of you. And if you take that Bible and turn to page 787, 787, you will be in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you've not been in church before, if you've not opened up a Bible before, if this is pretty new to you, let me just tell you, you've come the right week because the portion of the Bible that we're in, that we're studying together as a church, is the most famous, most memorized, most impactful sermon ever preached in human history. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and it covers about three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, and in it, Jesus is presenting a teaching on a range of topics. And throughout the history of the world, Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount has had huge impact. And so you're here this morning on a special day because we're going to look at the passage that includes the most memorized portion of the Bible worldwide. It's a prayer that Jesus himself taught us to pray. It's the most well-known, most recited prayer anywhere. And the cool thing to me is all around the world today, people will be saying this very prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in every language on earth. And so this morning, we get to look at Jesus' instructions in prayer. I'm going to read for us in chapter 6 of Matthew, verses 5 through 18, as Jesus talks to us about prayer and fasting. Beginning in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. 
But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. And would you be willing to read this prayer aloud with me as we go through it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen? Thank you for reading that with me. Jesus goes on. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The question we want to ask this morning is, how can you and I pray in such a way that it will be pleasing to our Father in heaven and will also motivate, encourage, mobilize God to help us in our time of need? So from this passage, I have three principles about how to pray in a way that's pleasing to our Father. Number one, Jesus is teaching us in this passage to pray in a way that closes the door to this world. Jesus says, literally, in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Now, we can take that literally and should. And by that, Jesus means that you and I, when we think about praying, should find some sort of space some sort of way where we can close out the distractions of this world. It might be your office at work. It might be a prayer closet at home. It might be when you go for a run or when you're out for a walk. It might be a specific place in nature that you can be whereby you are free from the distractions of life. There's no sort of phones or there's no people coming to bother you or there's nothing that are going to get in the way of you connecting with God. And so Jesus says very literally, find a place, find a space where you can pray and the distractions are minimized. And again, we can take that literally, go into a room and close the door. We can also take it metaphorically, both literally and metaphorically. And what we mean metaphorically, notice that Jesus in verse 5 is complaining about hypocrites praying publicly. The reason he calls them hypocrites, a hypocrite is a person who says one thing and does another. What these people were doing is they were praying, which with their words meant they were asking God for help. But in their actions, 
They were doing it publicly, trying to drum up support for themselves, trying to be seen visibly by people so that they might curry favor with others and win the respect of others. In other words, they were trying to accomplish with human means the thing they were supposed to be asking God for in prayer. That's why Jesus says it's hypocritical. On one hand, you're asking God for help, and then on the other hand, in your actions, you're trying to bring it about on your own accord. That's not what prayer is. Either God's going to be the one who does the thing to help you, or you're gonna bring it about in your own actions. You can't do both. And so to close the door to this world metaphorically is to commit ourselves in prayer to not trying to solve our own problems. So in the book of Acts, when the apostles in the early church uh, were considering the things they were spending their time doing, at some point they realized they were spending so much time being concerned about the feeding of poor widows, which is incredibly important, that they said, we've got to point some other people to this job because... We need to be about the ministry of the word and prayer. We've got to close out distractions of this world. Imagine, for example, that you're going to be heading out on a camping trip with some friends. And imagine you've sat down to pray and you want to pray about the camping trip. And as you're praying about it, all of a sudden comes to mind, oh yeah, I got to remember to email my friend and tell her to not forget the food that she agreed to bring. Now, I don't know about you, but at that moment my temptation would be to stop praying and to quick send that email. If I could just get this done, then I won't think about it anymore and it'll be taken care of. The problem is, is that is, take this the right way, slightly hypocritical. Because on one hand, I'm praying that the camping trip goes well, but then on the other hand, I'm taking matters into my own control to try to make it happen on my own. Now it may be that God brought up the idea of emailing your friend. Totally does that. And encouragement is just write it down. Remember to email about food and get back to prayer. Or even better yet, while you're praying, instead of stopping to send the email, pray that you'll remember to do it. Pray that when you send the email that it will be well received. Pray for your friend. Pray that the camping trip goes well even if your friend forgets the food. The idea is we're closing the door to our abilities to make things happen. And we're coming to God to say, we need you to bless us. We need you to help us. So when Jesus says, close the door, we both think that's literal. Find a space where you're not going to be distracted and also metaphorical. Either we're praying and asking God for help or we're going to make it happen on our own. And the first principle is, is that if we want to pray in such a way that we're pleasing to God, that we exercise faith and that God is encouraged to respond, we should close the door to this world in prayer. Second principle, pray in such a way that you open the door to heaven. Verses seven and eight, Jesus says, when you pray, don't just kind of keep babbling about a whole bunch of stuff. And then in verse eight, he says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Which of course raises the question, 
if God already knows what we need, why are we asking? Like if he already knows the needs that we have, why are we praying? Interestingly, in February of 2022, when President Zelensky of Ukraine said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition, he was not actually communicating information that other countries or the West didn't have. In fact, it was uh, U.S. intelligence and U.K. intelligence that was telling uh, the leadership of Ukraine that Russia was planning on invading. Some other European countries said, well, not, we're not sure that's going to happen. But the U.S. already knew that they needed help. We already knew that there wasn't any way they were going to be able to uh, withstand this invasion without help from outside. So when he says, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition, he's not communicating information. What he's communicating is desire. I need help. I want help. That's what Jesus is talking about here. When he says, your father already knows what you need, he's reminding us prayer is not about communicating information to God. Prayer is about communicating desire to God. It's about letting God know how badly you and I want something, how badly we need his help. Another way to think about it is later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will talk about prayer again because it's an incredibly important topic. And he will talk about ask, seek, and knock. That when you pray, we're knocking on the door of heaven. Well, one way to think about what Jesus is saying here is if you imagine yourself knocking on the door of heaven and you heard a divine voice on the other side of the, the, of the door, the voice is not going to ask you, who is it? God already knows who it is. <clears throat> the voice on the other side of the door is also not going to ask you, what do you need? Because Jesus is telling us God already knows what we need. When that door opens, what Jesus is going to ask you is, what do you want? What is it that you want for me to do for you? In the Old Testament, there's a story about a man named Jacob who wrestles with God in prayer. And in both his words and his actions, he is saying to God, I will not let you go until you bless me. This is not about information. God already knows that Jacob needs to be blessed. It's about desire. How badly do you want me to bless you? This is why when we talk about prayer, we talk about being persistent in prayer. We talk about beseeching God in prayer, imploring God in prayer, begging God in prayer, asking God in prayer, seeking God in prayer. We don't talk about instructing God in prayer or communicating things to God that he doesn't know in prayer. How do you pray in such a way that it is pleasing to the Lord? We open the door to heaven, and when we communicate to God the depths of our desire for him to get involved, it's an exercise of faith. And when you and I exercise faith that is pleasing to the Lord, and he's able to come into the situation. And so number two, pray in such a way that you open the door to heaven. Prayer is not about communicating information to God. He already knows it. Prayer is about communicating desire to God. How badly 
do we want God to come into this situation? Third principle. Pray in such a way that you bring yourself, others, and God into the action. Now we read the Lord's Prayer together in verses 9 through 13. But our passage didn't end there. I thanked you for reading it with me. And then went on because Jesus wasn't done at the end of verse 13. In fact, he goes on to say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And the question is, what's Jesus doing here? Like, why is he talking about forgiveness at this point? Well, if you go back through the prayer, the reason Jesus is talking about forgiveness, saying, look, if you're not going to forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. The reason why Jesus is talking about that is forgiving others is the only thing in the Lord's prayer that we are participating in. Look back through it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's nothing for us to do in there. We're not doing anything. We're acknowledging that God's name is holy. We're acknowledging that God uh, should be hallowed or should be set apart or should be acknowledged as being different. But we're not doing anything. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, nothing for us to do there. We're just simply asking that God's will would be done in this, on this earth just like it's being done in heaven. Give us today our daily bread... Do you have anything in there for us to do? No, we're asking God, would you give us what we need in order to survive? But then look in verse 12. And forgive us our debts, still God, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ah, here it is. Something for us to do. That's why Jesus ends the prayer by talking about forgiveness because it was the one thing in the prayer that we were committing ourselves to do. And the point is this, if we're going to pray after the example of Jesus, if we're going to hear the instructions that he's giving to us, what he's trying to say is, look, prayer is not about handing God a list of things that you need him to do and getting on with the rest of your life. Prayer is about understanding and identifying what is God's will and how do I invite God and myself and others into doing his will. And in this passage, God's will for us is to forgive others. And so Jesus gets to the end of the prayer and says, look, if you're really praying, then when you're done praying, you're going to do the things that God is telling you to do. In this passage, it's forgiving others. In other places, it can be uh, confessing sin. It can be choosing to love neighbor. It can be uh, saying the thing that God gives you to say. And the idea that prayer that is pleasing to God is prayer in which we commit ourselves to doing whatever it is God gives us to do. That we're united together in this. Again, using the example of the request that came from President Zelensky. When he says, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. He's both communicating that he needs help, but also that he's ready to play his role. 
Like, give me the things that I, I, we were going to do what is necessary to be done in order for this to happen. It's a communication, not just of here's a list of things that I need, but we stand ready to do whatever is necessary to make this happen. This is what Jesus is saying in this passage, is when you and I pray, our response is not, okay, God, you get busy with that. I'm going to be busy doing these things. Our response is, here we are, Lord, we need help. Whatever it is you tell us to do, we're ready to do. And I keep saying we because my point here says, bring yourself, others, and God into the action. And that's just an acknowledgement that in this most famous of prayers, all of the first person pronouns are plural. It's not my father in heaven. It's our father in heaven. It's not give me my daily bread. It's give us our daily bread. And this is a recognition and an acknowledgement that when we pray, we're not just handing the list to God. We're inviting him, others. When you ask people to pray for you, we are uniting together to all see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if you and I want to pray in such a way that is pleasing to the Lord and that he responds, then we commit ourselves to obeying whatever it is God tells us to do, even if he tells us to do nothing for this season. We're going to obey. Here I am, Lord. I've come to do your will. All right, so what do we do with this? Hopefully this is helpful teaching about what Jesus is saying about prayer, but how do we put this into action? Remember, at the end of this sermon, Jesus says, if you hear these words and do them, then you will have a rock-solid life. So how do we put these into practice? Well, one of the great things about Jesus as a teacher is he's built the application right into the teaching. And the application for this passage on prayer is in the section on fasting. And one of the reasons why the section on fasting follows the section on prayer is because fasting is a way that you and I can put into practice this very thing that Jesus is teaching us. So before I explain that, let me just make sure we're all on the same page when we think about fasting. What I'm talking about when I talk about fasting is what I think the Bible is referring to here, is the idea that you and I at times willingly give up stuff that it would be great for us to have in order to focus on prayer. So the most common uh, thing to fast from is food, but there are other things in the Bible to fast from. It says that if you're married, uh, that as a married couple, you can fast from sex for a season in order to focus on prayer. You can fast from Netflix, you could fast from social media, you could fast from sleep, you could fast from going out on Friday nights. Anything that would be good, uh, that's a blessing from the Lord, you can choose to fast from in order to engage more fully in prayer. And so watch how this works. Three things to pray in such a way that is a blessing to God. The first was closing the door to this world. When you and I choose to fast from something, we're saying no to something this world has to offer. It might be social media, it might be food, it might be uh, some time spent out doing some things. We are choosing not to do those things so that we can spend time in prayer. Likewise, if you choose to fast from food, one of the things you will experience is you will start feeling physically weaker 
during that time. Your body's gonna be hungry. It's used to eating. That's actually a reminder from God in that physical weakness that we can't do the thing we're asking God to do. And fasting itself helps remind us, don't take matters into your own hands. You're not gonna be able to do this. You won't have the energy. You won't have the strength. You won't have the power. So fasting helps us close the door to this world. Fasting also helps us open the door to heaven. Because what fasting is, is a communication to God. I would rather have you answer this than to have a meal today. I would rather have you answer this than spend this time on social media. I would rather have you, God, help me in this area than text my friends. This is why I say, like, perhaps if you're a, a couple here and you've got a big decision coming up, you may want to do what 1 Corinthians 7 says, which is to take a break from your sexual relationship for a season so that you might commit yourself. And what you're saying to God is, God, we desperately want you to give us an answer. We want you to guide us and to lead us. And so fasting opens the door to heaven because it expresses and puts into actions our desire. And then thirdly, when we fast, we are committing ourselves to obey God. Notice what verse 16 says. When you fast, what does it not say? If you fast. This is a command from God, when you fast. So when you and I fast, we're already obeying. And when you start obeying, it conditions you to obey more. And so when you choose to obey God by fasting, when you get into prayer and God says things like, I need you to not say anything for a while, or you feel God saying, hey, look, you need to confront this person, or you feel a conviction from the Lord that you need to stop doing something you've been doing, you're already conditioned to obey because you're fasting. And so Jesus built in the application right here. So here's your assignment for the week. And I hope you choose to accept it. Pick something to fast from or to try at some point this week. Maybe you want to say, you know what, this week, again, just for this week, to put this into practice. Because Jesus says it's not those who hear these words that have a rock-solid life. It's those who do these words. And so your assignment to put into practice some way fasting, maybe you want to say this week, I am not going to look at my phone until I've prayed. So instead of your phone being the first thing you look at in the morning, you're just going to say, this week, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray first, and then I'll look at the phone. That would be great. Maybe this week you want to give up uh, one meal. You can pick a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner. All you got to do is just, instead of eating that meal, take the time you would have spent eating the meal and pray. That's fasting. Maybe you want to, maybe your small group wants to fast together. And maybe you're going to decide, you know what, when we normally show up to small group, we spend the first half hour just kind of everybody catching up. That may be part of your favorite thing is the social interactions. I hope it is. But this week, perhaps you could try as a small group. You know what? When we, when we first all show up, instead of socializing, we're going to spend an extra half hour. We're going to spend that time in prayer instead of just catching up. Again, you're not doing that for the rest of your small group, just this week. So your assignment, pick something, some way to fast. 
If you want to give up social media on a day and say, I'm going to spend that time, great. I'm not here to tell you exactly what to do. These are some ideas. But if you do this, it will automatically help you start to close the door to this world, open the door to heaven, and commit yourself to uniting with God in obedience to see his will done on this earth rather than ours.